Celebrity Paranormal Super Show. The pros and cons of making paranormal investigators into celebrities and making celebrities into paranormal investigators. This is a Paranormal Post edition of the Fedora Chronicles radio show for June 29th, 2021. Jason Cousineau, Chris Holm from Conspira Theory, and me, Eric Render King Fisk, discuss what happens when the paranormal investigators take themselves too seriously. And what do we do about celebrities who think podcasting the supernatural and unexplained phenomenon is easy? This conversation also covers the rivalry between Stephen Greer and Louis Elizondo, Rob Lowe's miniseries about searching for Bigfoot, and Demi Lovato's limited series for the Peacock streaming service. Once again, this is a Paranormal Post edition of the Fedora Chronicles radio show. Thanks for listening, and enjoy the show. There are two things that you wanted to talk about, Chris. You wanted to talk about the um, Lewis. How do you pronounce Lewis's last name? Elizondo, I think. It okay. Is. Oh, Lewis Elizondo and Stephen Greer's spat. You want to talk about that? And you. Yeah, that's, but that's not going to be long. Okay. I don't know if you. I don't know if we want to start with that, and and we can also get into Demi Lovato if you'd like as well, and her drama. Stephen Greer is calling. Louis Elizondo, a disinformation agent, and then Lou Elizondo is calling the government or accusing the government of running a disinformation campaign on him. So that's like the disinfo can is getting kicked. They're like they're playing kickball with the with the disclose with the disinformation narrative, and it's like okay. And then let's see with Debbie Lovato. She's going to have like a four-part miniseries. And when I dug into her experiences, they're all, you know, well, most of them I, I can gather are are facilitated through Stephen Greer. So Wait, that's she's, sort of... She's having a four-part miniseries on the paranormal? It's it's uh, specifically on, on UFOs and stuff. It's called Unidentified with Demi Lovato. And I'm trying to see if there's any connection between it and the unidentified from the TTSA and apparently there's not uh, as far as I could gather one's owned by history channel and the other one is owned by the NBC and they're not the same thing because one is parent company is Disney and the other one is parent company is NBC. Um, so it's a competing show. Yeah. And then, uh, yeah, so she's pretty much, you know, you know how Steven Greer, he'll like, you know, give me a thousand dollars and I'll take you to the desert and, make you see aliens well she's one of the guy, one of the one of his customers oh boy so when she's gonna bring on experts i imagine he'll be one of those experts yeah probably her primary expert now what do and, you think about stephen greer yeah that's that was my next question um well first let me just get this out about her show is that it's gonna be you know um uh, unscripted Limited series. Okay, let me, I'm reading from an article. It says it will consult leading experts. The trio, which her, her sister, and some guy, will investigate eyewitness encounters, uncover, uncover secret government reports, and test unknown UFO hotspots. So basically, it's just following her around, talking to weird people, and then you know speaking to to talking heads. So it's not really any. It just pretty much sounds standard issue. But as far as yeah. Stephen Greer. I mean, I don't. I don't like him. 
I, you know, I mean, it just, he seems to be chasing clout from, from what I could see. I mean, um, none of his, a lot of his stuff is just rehashes of stuff that we've seen. I think he once brought out the, the six inch tall pygmy skeleton at one time and try to, you know, try yeah, to exactly. lead with that yeah. when, it, when yeah. it was, you know, debunked and, 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 you know, re, re, you know, dismissed several times. And, and I think that his spat with Lou Elizondo is just to get his, get himself in the headlines again. Yeah. He does seem to be one of those, um, 15 minutes of fame prolongers. He, he just wants to his day in the sun to last a little longer. Yeah. But yeah, I can't say, it was about a, him. I can't say it was, though I blame him though. I think that we actually talked about his, um, yeah. undisclosed or, or, or whatever special he had on, uh, on Netflix. And I saw it yeah. and it's like, I, I, and some of, some of it is captivating. Right. Some of it yeah. is, you know, um, it's it's attention grabbing. That's that's for sure. Some of his videos that he has is like, oh, that is really interesting. Now, and it's like he says, it's like he can summon UFOs out in the desert. Are those UFOs or are they something else? I mean, it's like, well, I don't know Sounds what they like are. Sounds like drones to me. I, I don't know what they are. I, well, I you know, and it, it's, well, I mean, the. Go ahead. My thing is that he's probably a lot like Steve Romanek, where he had he has a few authentic encounters and and in, intriguing stories. But once those stories are used up and there's not any more to keep the cameras rolling, he has to pull something out of his ass. And that's yeah. what I think what we're seeing is that he's he's pulling what he can out of his ass out of desperation to keep the cameras rolling. And that's what I think a lot of this is. That, he, he that might have, could be. Yeah, he might have started out with an, with an authentic talking point at first, but when that didn't, you know, when that didn't uh, amount to anything, he's probably had to, you know, keep reaching for something. And right now he's just desperately reaching for anything, I think. Well, maybe. I mean, it's it's a weird thing because how many – experiences do you need to have in order to become an expert hmm. right you yeah, know how many times can you see something or if you've seen something once what is it about that one viewing that makes you now an expert in that field well travis walton he's been able to sustain himself oh, yeah. just off that one right and he only talks about the one yeah 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 so but he's, I mean, he, he's such a well personable person that, you know, I mean, they keep going back to that. Well, you know, yeah. and I guess that's just him as just being a sort of a personable person that people want to put him out into the front. And whether that's a tactic, if it is, he, he's he's executing it very well. But as far as someone like like Greer on the other and, and any other person that I would right off as a grifter, you know, I mean, like, like the Stan Romanek as well. He well, sort of, I felt like I, he, yeah, I don't know that he would be a grifter though, personally. I mean, I think well, not, who, not all the time, but who, evolving Walton? into eventually. No, not I mean, career. I was talking, um, Stephen Romanek. Okay. Yeah. All right. Um, cause you look at, 
somebody like Bob Lazar. Bob Lazar had a great story in, in the 1990s. And he came forward and he used to do Art Bell's show. And which is which is the George that he used to work with? It's, I don't think it was... Um, George Knapp. George Knapp. Not not the other George, the one who took took over uh, Coast yeah, to Coast. George Norrie. George Norrie. I mean, George, yeah. George Knapp had some credibility as a reporter in the Los Angeles area. And he came forward and it's like you said, you know, back then Bob Lazar was just this anonymous guy. And it's like he, he was talking about Area 51 and he sort of put Area 51 into the zeitgeist and was right. talking about how they're doing these things out in the desert. They have these flying craft and the blah, 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 and all like that. And then. Well, he, he was based out of Vegas, wasn't he? I think he for was a good be, chunk it, of his career. Yeah, he was based out of Vegas. And it's like they used to fly him, according to him, fly him from Vegas to Area 51, do his work for a couple of weeks, and then fly home to Las Vegas for an extended weekend. And he used to like commute back and back and forth to work on a on a charter jet. And some of the things that he had said was like pretty outrageous. The thing that I like about him is that his story has not changed that much. It hasn't evolved the way Stephen Greer's stories have evolved. Yeah. Um so I'm not I'm not sure exactly what to believe and I was just I just had to just be reminded of who Lou Elizondo was. Lou Elizondo was the, one of the most predominant people to speak in the 60 minute special that we talked about two weeks ago. Yeah. And CBS is pushing this guy as, Oh my God, he's like really credible. He's, he, he's a credible guy. He's being pushed by being this, this guy with this enormous, um, gravitas, I guess. Yeah. And, um, also, uh, Stephen or Stephen Corbell, the, the guy that we were talking about before, all of his stuff that he's receiving is coming to him via George Knapp. So it's it's like George Knapp pretty much, you know, has his finger in all these pies. Well, yeah, but he also has a shit ton of experience, too. I mean, he's he's been in he did an investigation, like a rather in-depth investigation into Skinwalker Ranch. And they've never broadcast everything that he's investigated. They haven't broadcast the full depth of any of his investigations. So it's easy to go to that particular well because it runs deep. Yeah, and you that's why I mean? it's so easy for oh, you guys are talking you know, you, you his, mean, I'm sorry. His I, subordinates to get to the forefront because they're riding off of his credibility. Yeah. You mean you mean Jeremy Corbell. Yeah, Jeremy Corbell I after a while, they all they all start to sound like Stevens to me. <laughs> the yeah okay, Stephen Jeremy Corbell is then yeah okay all right. I'm sorry about that. I I didn't mean to shit on your point. the the <laughs> The problem that I had with Jeremy Corbell's Hunt for the Skinwalker documentary mm-hmm. is that he shows you these boxes of VHS cassettes with all of this amazing footage on it. And we can't wait to show you this amazing footage. And then the rest of the documentary hunt for the skinwalker is nothing really other than 
people walking around talking about things that they said that they seen and and people sitting down and and talking and having these conversations about the things that they've claimed this is there's some video mm-hmm. but it's not uh, it's not enough that i think that's convincing and i think that i'm on record for saying that hunt for the skinwalker is probably one of the worst documentaries i've ever seen on the paranormal and god help me i've seen a lot and, but then jeremy corbell um follows up uh that with that with the documentary on bob lazar bob lazar area 51 and flying saucers yeah, which came I out seen that and and the entire thing is is that you know bob lazar basically like looks right in the camera and says look i don't care what you think i don't care if you don't believe me or or, or, or not i've told my story i'm done yeah and he hasn't embellished that that says more about his character than somebody like Stephen Greer, who just keeps pushing the envelope a little further and a little further. Come out to the desert with me for a thousand dollars. I will show you how to summon UFOs. I got I got a buddy that lives three towns over that can do the same thing. <laughs> he flies. Um, well, we used to call them remote controlled aircraft. Now they're called drones. And he puts all kinds of LED lights on him because he, you know, it entertains him. It's a good hobby for him. Keeps him out of his wife's way. And every time he's out flying his stuff, uh, people are calling into Hill Air Force Base (laughs) and saying, I see, we're seeing UFOs, we're seeing UFOs. It's gotten so bad that they actually have his number as part of their process. They call him and ask him if he's out flying at night. Anytime they get calls and he's like, you know, depending on the people, he'll sometimes say, no, I'm not. I'm just kidding. Yeah, I am. You know, so (laughs) being able to summon, seeing that, just saying that you can, you can go out, come with me and I'll show you how to find them. That smacks of, you know, dishonesty to me. Yeah. There's potential for fraud there. The, uh, with uh, getting back to Jeremy Corbell, the only one of his that his uh, document that I think I remember seeing was uh, patient seventeen or something where he dealt with a guy who had the implant and then they had the implant removed. You know, it's, it was pretty good. I, I watched it. It was like it went through the 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 basic. You know, this is the first act. This is the second act, and I was waiting for the third act, and then it just ended. You know. The rest of everybody else adjacent to, to him just packed up and left. And then the, everything just fell through and just ended right there. And, and it was so abrupt. I was like, what? And I guess I was sort of like um, subverting expectations or something. I don't know. But what it sounded like what you were saying about the, the Skinwalker Ranch, it sounds like more of this sort of J.J. Abrams-ass mystery box bullshit that I don't like. Um, well, Skinwalker Ranch, what it, the documentary relies on overly much, in my opinion, is the belief in the people that are that are saying it, that are espousing it. So if you don't believe the people, if they don't come across as being genuine to you, then you're not going to believe anything else that the documentary has to say. You're well, then, there, then there's also uh, Chekhov's gun. 
you're showing me something in act one and it doesn't get implemented ever. That's yeah. just, that's just poor writing one-on-one. If these, these VHS tapes are, are like a thing and we don't get to see anything that's on them, then I'm sorry, you're, you're pulling the rug out for us. And I have every reason to, to call bullshit on that. Oh yeah. Why are you even showing us this in the beginning? Unless it's some sort of weird bait and switch sort of thing. Exactly. Because the trailer of that documentary is very intriguing. It's, I have to admit, I was sold on his documentary hook, line and sinker. And when it, the night that it premiered on Amazon video, I plunked down the $12 and I, th- so did I. I think that I would have been more forgiving of the movie if it wasn't so overly hyped and I had to pay the $12 to see it. Right. And it didn't live up to my expectations. And I'm not, I'm not, I don't think that I am that much of a pain in the ass when it comes to paranormal documentaries. I know that a lot of them. Um, are operating under a, a, a tight budget or a um, low budget. If, I was going to say, if they even have a budget. If they even have a budget. And it was just like, you have all the resources from somebody like George Knapp. You have what you say, hundreds, if not thousands of hours of videotape that has amazing footage that will prove everything that we tell you is true but we can't show you those videos at this time. That to me is like, you're, 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 you're a jerk. You're a charlatan. (laughs) You are a snake oil salesman. And I have, and I think that I, not to tell, not to kiss and tell Walt and I had a bit of a disagreement. Whereas it's like, I wanted to tell our listeners the truth about this documentary. I think this documentary sucked donkey balls. And I think that it would be I think it would be bad of us to tell our audience, oh no, this is a great documentary. You should see. I think that we would have we would lose credibility. Yeah. If we told people, you gotta see this documentary. Because maybe we can get Jeremy Corbell to to come on our show. And we can we can be um on the inside, like what Chris had talked about the last episode of the Paranormal Post that we did together. Access. Access. We can be a part of the access media. I I, I can be a member of access media in the realm of paranormal. If if I shine people on to Jeremy Corbell's crappy documentary, which I know is bad. Right, but at the same time, that's not a wrong statement to make. A lot of critics, whether they're film critics or book critics, will give a particular a particular medium, be it a movie or a book or whatever. They will review it higher knowing that it's being really, really hyped. That way there they don't lose that access because if you start going against the grain – then you're no longer getting access. And that's kind of the catch-22. In the days of like Siskel and Ebert, before they had that ridiculous television show, they could review anything and give it a bad review simply because they were not being paid by 
any of the – they didn't rely on the industry giving them early access. They would just watch it when it came out. They were being paid by their respective newspapers or the, the companies that own the newspapers anyway. And they could be as completely honest as they want. So there is an element of that that does exist within any way, any form of critiquing that goes on. But I think, in all honesty, operating in the paranormal realm like we do, we are better served by calling out bullshit when we see it than just buying into everything that comes along the pike. I mean, it works well for George Nori, but his show, the purpose of his show and the way his show is handled is completely different than how we handle ours, right? Oh, so uh, we yeah. don't have – yeah, we don't have a big studio backing us and paying for everything. So – it behooves us more to say, okay, I was really hyped up about this, and then I was disappointed with the end result. Well, just talking about whatever's hot at the minute is sort of playing to the algorithm already. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, without a doubt. I mean, it's like I know that. I mean, the thing is, is that, I mean, there's a reason why we call the show News of the Week, because we talk about <laughs> the News of the Week. Um, I think that with... So many people trying to be what what you call access media is that I think that people I mean people fall for almost anything thinking that it's like um I'm going I'm going to promote this crap knowing that it's crap knowing full well I'm going to get access like it, right it, if, trade off right I'm 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 going to trade a little bit of my integrity and tell you that this. This movie by Woody Allen is phenomenal. You have to see this movie by Woody Allen. It's the greatest thing that Woody Allen has ever done. Ignore the other things that we think we know about Woody Allen. I'm going to promote the hell out of this movie by Woody Allen, knowing full well that I'm going to be able to talk to other Hollywood celebrities. Hopefully. And at some point, audiences know. Audiences know that you're, you're, you're talking bullshit. To, to to get access. Yeah. And it's like, it, it's a catch 22 with us. I want to do more with the podcast. If you don't play footsie with these people once in a while, you're never going to get access. They'll come on your, your podcast to talk about your book, but you're never going to be the person that they go to, to release something new. You're not going to right. have these big names come on your show and help you get the big, huge ratings. We're not going to have Jer- Jeremy Corbel on our show because we won't shine him on. We, right. we won't tell you he's a great document documentarian or whatever you call him. If I mispronounced well, it, it, take right. a shot. Um, no, you didn't. Okay. So that you actually don't take a shot, you alcoholic bums. That's my job. Okay. So one of the things I also wanted to talk about is that there is a... a, a a woman here in the region who runs a UFO conference. And I would like to help her with the conference as much as I can. And what she's worried about, I think is how other people think that they could ride on her coattails and, 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 and profit from the hard work she's doing without getting anything from us in return. 
And what do we have to offer her? How can we get all of the, the ufologists and all of the UFO enthusiasts to go to this convention? And I, I, and I think it's in October. In this, in the only location, the, the only venue that she could find in, in the era of COVID. Because, you know, she, I mean, I'm sure that she looks at us and she says, these guys don't have the numbers. They don't have the pull. Well, how are we going to have the pull unless we help people like her and get her numbers up? Right. Um, and it is a catch-22 because at the same time, how is she going to be able to pull in more people unless she gets the word out? And even a podunk podcast like what we have, we have reliable numbers of people that listen. Some of them might even be in the area that she's trying to draw from or be willing to travel anyway. Yeah. So what does she have to lose by using us for advertising purposes? Well, I mean, it's not only that. I mean, I also have experience in in, in graphic design. I know a, I know a guy who does um, great um, caricatures of people who could probably help with that and, and an angle. And it, what if I said... Uh, the, you know, we would like to do a live recording of the podcast at the venue at, say, midnight or 11 o'clock or 10 o'clock right. and, and have fun with it. Have people come on the guests, listen to the podcast and do this. Do a live recording of the show. Right. What, what do you think of that? And she's and she's kind of like a little standoffish for, for good reason, because I think that she's been burned by other people like the Jeremy Corbells yeah. of the world. Right. In which case you can't blame her, but at the same time, how do we show her we're not like them unless she gives us an opportunity to do that? Uh, we just have to keep plugging away at it and, and, yeah. sh and show her, show her our true intent with our actions now. Right. You know, so maybe what we do is we can, we just, plugging it you know we can talk about it without her permission you don't need to have her permission to talk about right. it and we can say hey this event is happening is this is the information least information we have on it you know what i mean might as well oh yeah absolutely i think that i should clear it with her and make sure that it's okay before we start pushing heavy on this um, right. And I would, and here's the thing: I would also like to buy advertisement and say Jay and Eric and maybe Chris are going to be at this event. I'd I'd, I'd like to be I'd like to be there and and do a live recording of the show there in front of a live studio audience, providing, of course, we don't step on any of Bring people up on the stage and and have them talk. I'd like to have. I'd also like to give the microphone to people who have experiences, but who have never had any kind of pro um, promotion or has never had a chance to get their story out. I'd like to be able to do more of that starting with this convention. That would be cool. Is this that greater New England UFO conference and film festival? Yes, it is. Okay. I, I was listening to the context clues and looked it up. Um, yeah. I mean, you know, I'm in, in situations like that, all you can do is just buy a table, you know, pay for everything 
to show that as a as just a sign of good faith that you're not trying to ride anything and, and ride any coattails and exactly and then, and then let them see you know once everything is over and and you know of course invite them on on the show if if they decide to come on you know and and just you know be, be good you can you can still play softball with them you know to it to a degree yeah i mean that that's I just know. basically Apparently you're all in better physical shape than i am chris go ahead no, no. When he says play hardball, Jay, he's talking about like <laughs> at, know. you know asking her know, tough questions. I know. I was making a joke. No okay. failed. No, I, I yeah. Just yeah. Yeah, I mean, just I mean, just play nice and just pay for everything along the way, and then and then once they say like, okay, maybe I can next time let these guys in just a little bit more, right? And and because they've shown that they're trustworthy. Yes. That that's what I think the most that you could do. If I could swing back to the the Demi Lovato thing, oh yeah, for just a moment, it's it's that. But one of my concerns is that, you know, I mean, she's, in my opinion, I probably think that this UFO stuff is is just a means of chasing clout, and it's just one more one more way for them to to get their name out there because for some reason, you know, it's like celebrities they go through these 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 ebbs and flows of of hanging on to stuff just to get a rise out of out of the whatever culture it is and and of course once they do then the the paranormal access media circuits you know the people with the biggest numbers they they get them on all their shows they get a new line of viewers and listeners and stuff like that i mean it we pretty much to me this show that she's doing uh, unidentified is going to be like Another, just another boon for her career, like Rob Lowe had with, uh, I, I believe it was him with his sons, where yeah. he had his kids do some, you know, big footing and research stuff. It's basically his kids wanted to do a show. They were able to do it because they have a famous father. And as usual, he was able to use it to, you know, to uh, get attention for himself. Because now, not just doing paranormal shows, but now all these celebrities are getting into podcasting and they're terrible. Yeah. They're all terrible <laughs> podcasts because all it is, is I think Rob Lowe then did another podcast where, you know, his basic questions to his celebrity guests are like, when did you meet me? When did you first meet me? And then, and then the conversation shifts to himself because these people don't know how to talk to other people. They don't know how to interview people. They know how to be interviewed because that's their job. Their job is to be the center of attention. With right. Demi Lovato and her being the, the, I mean, she's going to be like, I don't think it's going to be her, but it's going to be like the adjacent um, supporting cast is going to be interviewing experiencers and stuff like that. And and it's just, you know, I, I'm pretty sure we're going to get some good stuff out of it. Maybe some standard fare. But I, as far as what it contributes to, to the culture and the society, you know, I mean, it's so long as she's up in front about it, you know, because I think that's going to be that show's major concern. And when they talk about um, like they're going to they're going to discuss old cases. And when it comes to discussing old cases, you know, they're going to bring up the Betty and Barney Hill because it, it is just such a good story. Right. And of course, it's not going to be, you know. The cases as far as 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 how we see it today and stuff, it's going to be her reaction to it. 
Right. You know, and, and it's just, that's what I expect. And, and if it's like the greatest thing ever, okay, that's fine. That, that's good. But it's just, I just see th this pattern that I've seen before, like uh, recently where she came out as bisexual and it's like, yeah, no, no one cares. Oh, yeah, no, you know, you're, no. you're, it's like when, um, when during the nineties, when every single uh, female actress was coming out as bisexual. You know, it was just, it's just a vain way of getting headlines. And yeah, the, the, a lot of people, it puts her in good graces with, uh, with a team, with a certain specific outlet of Twitter that is very, very venomous and very, you know, out to, out to protect its turf yeah. in a way that you don't cross these people or th that they will come for you type of thing. And I think she's doing that to get herself in graces with that with that mafia. She even admitted on when she was on Joe Rogan, which was just basically him asking questions about her to talk about herself and and talk about you know because she needed to repair her image after her after going after a yogurt shop because she can't control her her fat ass around you know sugar free stuff that that it created such a, a bad PR for her, stinker for her that she had to go on sort of Joe Rogan, who is now the regulated Ellen DeGeneres because she's no longer on the air. And, and she, he's the closest thing that we get again to an Oprah. So of course, because he, he has the audience, he has the numbers. So then that was sort of done in a way to, you know, I guess crystal clean up her image. And, yeah. and she basically comes, Oh, I was abused. I had, drug problems, all these things. And it was just for her to come off as personable. Right. And even on there, she admitted that, that she had joined, you know, what she recur what she referred to as the LGBTQ plus mafia. And it's just, I, I just think that these are all, you know, just checkbox marks off to get herself yeah. in a position where she can, you know, uh, rake in the dough. Right. And, you know, I, I've got no problem with, with, you know, it just raking in the dough, but it's just, this is performance art. And, yeah. and as far as it being done within our confines and stuff like that, you know, I mean, it, it's just, it's so phony. It, it can definitely appear phony and fake, but it's one of those, it's the correct, politically correct moves to make to, to, to safeguard yourself from any future criticism. So if she does something, if she comes off sounding stupid or, or, or makes something dumb, some sort of dumb comment, which I, I really don't think is going to happen because I think the show will be very curated. Oh, oh yeah. And, and yeah. very, very guarded. So that way they'll keep her from, from self-sabotaging because she's when she's under management, yeah, then she's making all the right moves. When she went off against the yogurt shop people, basically try to destroy a small business because, you know – she's an idiot that can't control herself. Right. That was her without, you know, uh, managerial and managerial, uh, uh, guidance or, or, or getting any kind of discretion on that. So hopefully, you know, I mean, hopefully it'll, it'll get more people here, but as is with anything else, as soon as, as soon as they get bored, or the numbers aren't there anymore. She's she's going to move on to the next thing. Oh sure, because it happens every single time when we see because like Rob Lowell isn't chasing Bigfoot anymore, um, right? And there was this I forgot what her name was. She was some uh, '90s um, 
actress, she has these big fake lips. They're they're horrible looking. And and she was doing the haunted house circuit and she had like a haunted house show. And and it was just, you know, as soon as as soon as the the light started to dim, they're on to something else. So this is what I think this is. And as far as the Stephen Greer, you know, uh, kicking the can, the disclosure can down the road and stuff like that. I, I don't know. I'm, I'm pretty sure he's banking on on her inviting him to be one of her experts and stuff like that. And the Jeremy Corbell, you know, I mean, I like him. I like what he does. That's great. It's, it's great that he, you know, makes these things. But I do feel that he's writing on a lot of Knapp's credibility recently. Oh, yeah. And, yeah. and you know, and it's not. You know, and I'm not saying that to try to try to get at him. This isn't this this isn't if it was, this would totally be me punching up type of thing. But he just has this sort of what I do enjoy and and I think it gets a bit much is he has this sort of boyish fascination. I do feel he trips over himself when he tries to do what I refer to as a JJ Abrams mystery box bullshit. Right. Yeah. Because during one instance, during the the Jeremy Corbell, um, he had gotten somehow. Well, it was him and George Knapp had gotten uh, Bob Lazar on the Joe Rogan show, and it was just the only one that was mic'd up was Bob Lazar, and every single fifteen minutes, Jeremy Corbell kept popping in, kept popping in. You know, just just you know to say something. And it was, you know, and, and it's like, I get it. But at the same time, dude, keep it in your pants. You know, <laughs> I, I expect him to just, to just jump up on the table and fall over. And then a frog and a, and a like, like a frog and a, and a, and a, what, what, what do you call them? The, 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 like, like frog and, and stick of bubble gum, unchewed bubble gum is going to like pop out of his pockets because yeah. he's this little boy, you yeah. know, and it's it's just, you know, on, on the one hand, I could totally see where it's like, you know, come on, dude, you know, it, get it contained. Yeah, there, you know, a slingshot and a frog will just fall out of his pocket at any, yeah, any moment. Yeah, that, that's the other aspect of Jeremy Corbell. He says some things that are 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 just freaking stupid, and he does not seem to understand how he is just alien alienating the hell out of people who would otherwise go along. And, and listen to him like one of the things one of this his favorite things he likes to say is like and this is a big huge problem that i have he says i'm going to weaponize your curiosity and the way yeah. that he says it he says it like i'm going to do something to you that's non-consensual i'm doing right. something to you without your consent and this is something that's going to happen I'm doing this to you and there's nothing you can do to stop me. I'm going to weaponize your curiosity. And the way I, I don't know if the way I say it sounds, I don't want to say it sounds rapey. <laughs> it's, but it's, it's rapey adjacent. Yeah, that's, that's not how you want to take it at all. <laughs> yeah. Well, to, to hop on that point, I really do hope he doesn't become another Neil deGrasse Tyson because he's he's sort of become this sort of Neil deGrasse Tyson. He's become this sort of steward of scientism, 
and yeah. and he he turned some people would say he ruined science by turning it into a debate and 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 you know going off just to get you know clever twitter you know uh twitter hot takes just so he could look smart and clever and stuff like that and and he does trolling he does troll so and all that stuff is sort of you know it it's not how science works it's not how a man of science in a position that he was put in should conduct himself but he he's done that and because of that you know so many other things that shouldn't have gotten footholds have gotten footholds and he's made himself a joke and the thing is the guy is he's a big nerd in a position of power like when he had his um uh let's see the allegations when he tried to get me too when someone tried to me to him because some woman tried he tried to look at her uh planetary tattoos or something like that and and he like made a made a big creep of himself and it's like dude come on it's again like i would say with a jeremy corbell like dude you know chill you know calm down we're all excited but calm down I remember one, uh, this was a UFO Jane interview where she had a round table. She had Corbell, uh, Ryan Sprague, um, Dave, Dave Foley, who was, uh, he was, uh, one of the, the new kids on, uh, new kids on the block, the Canadian, uh, sketch comedy show. And, and he oh, okay, had, yeah. he was kids basically, in the yeah, kids, kids in, the in the hall, kids in the hall and, and, and Corbell and and he was basically you know the the celebrity of the show and he had a bunch of fascinating you know takes and fascinating points i just wanted to hear dave foley talk the entire thing because he was so fast he, he was saying so many fascinating and intriguing things that even you know uh ufo jane and ryan spray they 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 simmered down just to let this guy talk guess who didn't <laughs> yeah <laughs> again every fit every Every single time he gets momentum to get things going, Jeremy Corbell has to jump all over him, and and he's got to and he's doing it just to name drop, and he, he's dropping all these names. Oh yeah, that reminds me, blah 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 blah. It's like shut up. We want to hear Dave Foley talk about these amazing experiences and his, you know, theories on how things work and the paranormal and all these fascinating things. But again, you know, he, Corbell he just shoots his stupid mouth off, and and it's, you know. I mean, I, I just, it, it gets me, it rubs me the wrong way. But again, as far as with Corbell and stuff like that, I just wanted to swing around on that because I know when we first started, I was kind of like, I was, I was half-assing it. <laughs> yeah, I think you did okay. And that's the thing about doing a podcast, whereas you you know what the show topic is. Mm -hmm. And like the day before, a couple of days before, I, I rehearse everything that I'm going to say in my head. What I often forget is that you guys are probably also going to be doing the same thing. And there's things that you need to say. And there are times I actually I don't know if you can hear it or not. I actually shut my mic off when you guys are on a roll. Yeah. Um, and I'm not saying that because I'm trying to say, oh, I'm such a good host. I'm doing that because I need to learn to shut up and listen to you guys. Because, Chris, when you're on a roll, this is the second time in a row that you've been on, on the show. When you're on a roll, it's it's great pod. It, re it really is. Um, when Jay and I get on a roll, 
most of the time it's it's really good pod but there's our times when i wish the, i wish jeremy would listen to old episodes of the art bell show whether it's coast to coast midnight in the desert or dark matter listen to old episodes of of of, of art bell what did art bell do that was so great on his show and he you let him talk exactly mm-hmm. shut up let the get well it's also he may not that may not be the role he wants to have but it's the role he because he hasn't had any of these experiences he's relegated to also he's a director he he's a documentary director that's his primary thing i think that's how right. he got into it first podcasting may be completely new and alien to him so i'm i'm willing to give him that that he does need to you know i, I guess when you're a guest you don't have to do as much research because you are the focus. You're the subject. But when he's a part of a panel and stuff like that, there is a certain etiquette that I don't know if he's he's down with that he has gotten used to that you know, he needs to he needs to to listen and and you know, I mean, I definitely want him to participate and to be a part of it, but at the same time you know, learn the rules because this isn't like one of the things where he, where he can fix everything in post. Right. Right. And I think also he may be trying to figure those rules out. I mean, yeah. it's, it's all kind of new to him. <laughs> you know? Learn as you go, which is, you know, it, it's good if you're a fast learner, but if you're not, uh Yeah, and let's face it, we all sometimes overestimate our own uh, intellectual abilities, so yeah. Well, I think that's why we have to have dis, um, self-deprecating humor in the podcast, because we, we right. have to remind ourselves that we are, th- this is just supposed to be for fun. <laughs> we're, right. We're not out to solve all the world's problems at an hour and 45 minutes into this. <laughs> <laughs> Right. Well, it's it's also, I think a lot of a lot of times as humans, we just kind of make assumptions, right? Like we start talking, and then, not that we fall in love with the sound of our own voice, we're afraid of dead air, because we know we're recording. So, one of the things that I think you and I over time, and and I I think Chris, I don't know how long you've been doing podcasting, but you certainly have a good grasp of it. Is it's okay for you to take a pause in your narrative to collect your thoughts, you know? And I think it's been, it's been working among us that we're giving each other room to do that. And I wonder if that's something that he's, you know, thinking in terms of as a director, you know, dead air means we're, we're spending money on tape or whatever that we're not using. (laughs) Yeah. He's like, Oh, great. That's more stuff that has to be edited. If I leave that in. Sure. But, right. but then a new trend that is happening with the podcasting community is they're going into live streaming a lot, which is what I've seen. And that's sort of hearkening back to AM radio, which means yeah. you are under the gun to not have dead air. And as far as what we what we were looking at, you know, I mean, I don't know if I, Joe Rogan is pretty much sort of a, a they really don't edit dead air out of it. As far as I know, unless it's like obscene, 
And having pregnant pauses during a live stream and stuff like that, I can imagine those are probably no-nos. So within the context, that may be the issue there. But I, I, I really, I really, I just, I hope to see more of him, but you know, it, it's just, you know, leave the frog and, and the, yeah, leave, leave the frog, the bubble gum and, and the, the slingshot at home. Right. I do think that there are other people, other celebrities, and I'll throw Demi Lovato out there. I don't think that she's sincere. I think that a lot of it has to do with the fact that she she's a celebrity. She's screwed up her career a lot. She's admitted that she has brain damage thanks to drug overdoses and stuff like that. She is coming off as kooky and as a bit of a, a, a as an airhead. And I think that this is a, an attempt to cling to famedom, as it were, or broaden her brand name. I'm looking right now here at, at um, um, Tom DeLong. I think that's how you pronounce his name. If I'm wrong, take a drink. Um, much. From Blink-182. And he was part of the, uh, the disclosure movement. And, oh, my God, Tom DeLong is going to uh, release something huge. He's, he's, he's got his hands on something groundbreaking and amazing. He's going to release it. And it's like it's going to be a part of his, 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 his concert. Disclosure is going to be part of his concert. And it was just like it, it's, it's all theater. Yeah. N- nothing came yeah. of it. I, I don't and think well, it, anything came of it. Will anything yeah. come from it? Yeah. I think and the that, thing is, he he stumbled so hard out of the gate, the first step, that I think that ruined any trajectory that that he had with that the first Joe Rogan interview that he had. I don't know if he's done any since then. No, well, I think also there's there's part of us that assumes that because celebrities have money, they are able to get a hold of things that the rest of us plebes are not. So yeah. they can kind of take advantage of that to an extent. Yeah. Not like just money. You, yeah. Money, but yeah. influence as well. Because, exactly. I mean, generic rich guy, I'm not going to show him my special shinies, but you know, uh, you know, some famous guy who I've seen on everything that, that is all fabulous. Yeah. I'm going to definitely let them look at my shinies. Right. Oh, my God. Justin Hayward from the Moody Blues wants to come on my podcast and talk about disclosure. Oh, my God. Of course. I'm going. Oh, my God. Justin Hayward. Oh, my God. He's he, he's he's the lead singer of my favorite band since I was in high school. Of course, he's going to come on my podcast and talk about right. crazy shit. You know, of, right. of, of course, he's a celebrity. Of course, I'm going to let him come on the show. And here's the crazy thing. If. If Demi Lovato came on the podcast (laughs) and wanted to plug her show, I don't know if I would say no. No, I I don't know that I would either. Yeah, it's it's one of those, you know, even though we know the beats, there's still that hope that maybe we can get a nugget out of it. But even then, (laughs) there is still the the. 
you know, there is still the numbers game. And 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 right. we do try to reach who we're going to talk to because we know that they're going to bring an audience with them. You know, I mean, that's just that's just the, the business. You know, I, I mean, I'm not saying it's perfect, but it's just the way things are. And yeah. and as much as we go on about our print, we can still do the shows that we want to do for ourselves. But again, we do have to maintain a certain level. So that way, the audience, when they come in, they they know what they're going to get from us. And, and you know, otherwise, they're going to go someplace else. Right. Yeah. So yeah. quote Gilderoy Lockhart, fame is a fickle thing. I think that that's a perfect place to leave it. Unless, of course, obviously, yeah. you guys had, is there one more thing? Just one more? <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm, it's, it's just, again, you know, I mean, I hope these people are, you know, I, I don't doubt their experiences. I, I don't doubt, you know, I mean, whether their intentions, I have no idea what they are. But all I ask is that, you know, when they're in this community, they still have to conduct themselves. I mean, the rules still apply to them. I mean, they may be able to skirt over most of them because they have the repertoire and and the clout to do so. But I don't think it's going to last for long. You know, it's they're they're going to be forgotten about, you know, if if they're not, you know, at least respectful to it, at least respectful to the to the community and to the people about it. I mean, Lou Elizondo, as much as we are critical of him, he does he does appear to respect the community. I mean, he's likable and people love him. You know, he may not answer all the questions. He may not give us the smoking gun that we want, but as far as I can tell, he does treat the, he is open to, you know, the the community so far as, as far as even if he is highly vetted and highly managed, you know, he does appear to have good repertoire with the community and with everybody, be they access media or, you know, alt media like us. That is actually a great place to end it. Thanks a lot, Chris, for joining us again. Jay, thank you as always. Great show, guys. And I can't wait to do this again next week. All right. See you guys later. Me too. Congratulations on surviving another episode of the Fedora Chronicles radio show. Find out more about the Fedora Chronicles by visiting our website, thefedorachronicles.com. That's where you can find our show notes, past episodes, and articles. Follow us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram by simply searching for us on those platforms. Don't forget to join our group on Facebook and follow us on Twitter so that you can keep up with what we will be talking about in the next episode. Facebook, Twitter, and our email address, Chronicle at google.com, are great ways to drop us a line with your comments and show topic suggestions. And if it's any good, we promise we will read your comment on the air. Support the show by contributing to our Patreon page, patreon.com slash Chronicles. For a mere dollar a month, you get early access to the podcast, updates on what we're doing, and for $5 a month, you get all that and a t-shirt and coffee mug of your choice. Terms and conditions apply. Thank you to all of our listeners who are already contributing. You can also support the show and show off your incredible, impeccable taste by buying our merch at zazzle.com store slash Fedora Chronicles. 
The theme songs for the show are Royal Flush and Black Cabaret by All of Music. All other music on the show is listed on the show page and has been provided to us by Premium Beats from Shutterstock. Copyright The Fedora Chronicles 2020. All rights reserved. On behalf of my co-host Jason and I, this is Eric Renner-King-Fisk signing off and reminding you to keep your chins up and your fedoras on. <laughs>